What is up, everyone? It is Claude Robbins back again with That's Tough Podcast. Make sure you guys are subscribed to the channel. Make sure you guys have your notifications on. That way you're up to date with all of our content. And then make sure you guys like the video and comment any ideas uh, that you have for us in the future. Today we have a great podcast coming. Uh, We have special guest Ross Watkins, who's going to talk a lot about comedy and the cancel culture aspect of society. Um, so without any further ado, welcome to the podcast. This week on That's Tough Podcast. Like it's, it's kind of separated. Uh, you're, you're definitely right that cancel culture went way out of proportion. Mm-hmm. But I feel like cancel culture, cancel culture has two sides of it. Mm-hmm. Um, cancel culture has a side that is for, I want to say, like physical. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like R. Kelly situation, physical. Yes. I do not condone anything. Mm-hmm physical that's just an automatic no for me mm-hmm. but the other side is what people say yes that's the completely they're two different things mm-hmm. so we want to welcome all of you to that stuff podcast uh we are having a great talk today we have a special guest with us and we are going to get started. Not going to hold up too much of your guys' time, but today we're going to talk about the media industry and has the media industry gone soft? And we're also going to dive into cancel culture and its effect on society. So we have a lot of great points that we're going to address today, but without further ado, I'm going to introduce my fellow Hamptonian, fellow Harkness brother. Harkness brother. Uh, Mr. Ross Watkins. Thank you so much for having me, Claude. I really appreciate this. Oh, no problem. Um, so tell the people a little bit about yourself, what you uh, do uh, here at Hampton, and a little bit of your background. Okay. Uh, so what's up, everybody? My name is Ross Watkins. I'm a third-year journalism major from Los Angeles, California. Uh, that's my Hampton intro. And I also, I'm also a stand-up comedian, and I have my own podcast called Comedy and Conversations. Mm-hmm. And we actually filmed a episode for his podcast. Um, we talked a little bit about different things that we're both doing. Yeah. So make sure you guys go check that out. I'm definitely going to have that linked in the description because it should be out by the time we put this podcast out. So, yes, sir. Yeah, make sure you go check out his podcast and then come back to this video afterwards. So, um, tell the sort of our viewers a little bit about like your stand-up comedy and stuff that you do with that. Okay. Uh, well, I started doing comedy professionally when I was 18. Uh, I started here at Hampton. Uh, I've done it a long time ago in the past. My first time doing stand-up, I was actually 10 years old. And I did it in Spanish because I went to a Spanish-speaking school. So that was kind of like my start to doing stand-up. But then I didn't take it seriously Mm -hmm. for a very long time. And then, like, since we were going to Hampton and, uh, like, a new, like, environment with new people that don't really know who I am, I thought it would be the perfect place to start out. And so, yeah. And um, I learned about stand-up when I was really young because my dad, he's a comedian. Mm -hmm. And so I've always been around it, like, my entire life. So it, it kind of came natural with me, like, why I was drawn to it, because, like, it's just, like, a part of, like, it's like a family business, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. And so what kind of aspects of the comedy industry do you like, and what sort of aspects do you think need to be changed, for example? That's a good um, perspective I like. 
I like the creativity aspect mm-hmm. of comedy. I like the I like the process. I like sitting down, thinking of jokes. Because thinking of jokes, it's like it can be anything. Mm-hmm. Like just any little idea you have, write it down, and then later in the day, I go back and I try to create a joke out of that thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I I always love the creativity part. I love performing. That's like one of my favorite things to do. I like engaging with the people. Uh, I'm still learning, I'm still new at it, so mm-hmm. every time I'm on the stage, it's a learning experience for me. Um, but an aspect that I would like to change about comedy, um, I think that in 2021, uh, comedy has become, well, audiences have become very sensitive to what comedians say, mm-hmm. which I find kind of odd because comedy is one of the like last formed with like free speech and people are trying to shut that down mm-hmm. so I, I feel like we should change that i feel like we should be more accepting of what people want to say on stage uh and yeah just sensitivity we just need to remove sensitivity from comedy because mm-hmm. at the end of the day everything's a joke yeah and i think that's one of the main reasons i wanted to talk about this sort of topic with you because you're definitely in that sort of media realm where you're saying a lot of things that might offend people um and of course podcasts and this sort of platform that we're doing we can offend a group it's of a, people it's a, pretty easily yeah it's a very easy platform to slip up because yeah. you're talking from hours at a time exactly and something might just go south you don't exactly know. and i think with the way society is going currently uh, there's a big sensitivity thing that I think needs to be addressed in the sense that, like, I think the world's, like, uh, society has made people a little too soft. Like, I think that people don't necessarily know how to take a joke anymore. People can't um, really say anything without offending somebody. So, like, if you walk down the street and say something, in, like, if you're having a conversation with your friend, for example, I think if somebody else hears it, it can spark a different argument between you and somebody else who's just walking down the street and you weren't even trying to offend anybody, you weren't trying to say anything with any ill will. And especially in the comedy industry, I know that, well, I know you can speak to it more than I can, but a lot of comedians now can't say the things that they were able to say, you know, 15 years ago or even sooner than that. Yeah. Because... Now that there's, you know, sort of cancel culture and these other things, we, they really have to censor what they say because that, um, not, I don't want to say fear, but that, that idea of being canceled is really something that they have to watch out for and be concerned about, which I think kind of negatively affects their job and obviously the audience's job are because if I go to a comedy show and the, com- the comedian can't really say what he believes is funny and can't be his like authentic self, he or she, um, then at the end of the day, it's not gonna be a good show for the person giving the show, obviously, or it's not gonna be a show, good show for me because it's not as authentic, it's not as real, it's not as enjoyable. Um, so what would you say besides like censorship, how can we like move away from this sort of sensitive area that we are in society? I think the way we need to break down those barriers is comedians 
have to stick to what comedians do. Mm -hmm. They can't be afraid of what other people say or they might get canceled. And I understand that fear because at the end of the day, comedy is a part of entertainment mm -hmm. and like all this is a business. Yeah. It, it's, we make money off of this. Mm -hmm. So if people try to cancel you, that means that maybe some networks or some like uh, platforms that you're on might take you down. Mm -hmm. So that's just a loss of revenue. I understand that. But um, at the end of the day, like as a comedian, we made a commitment to speak our truth and say what we want to say. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like comedians need to uh, remember what our duties are in comedy and it's to be truth tellers and tell jokes and uh, entertain people mm -hmm. and to not be afraid of what other people say. And I think that not only goes for comedians, but like even in this podcast, like there's there's a lot of things that, a lot of topics that me and Jelani obviously have tried to sort of work through and figure out how can we talk about certain things and certain issues without offending people. And we provide disclaimers at most of our videos that sort of address these topics. But at the end of the day, there needs to be, I think, more people telling people how to handle criticism. Because I think a lot of people look at like criticism and people talking, not necessarily negatively, but talking differently about other people's issues, it kind of immediately gets shut down because they feel like they're being attacked. They feel like they're being sort of, I want to say outlawed or stuff like that. And I think if we as a society can tell people and show people how to handle criticism more, that would kind of de- like it would, it would cause us to not be so censored when we're talking to people because at the end of the day, we all have fought for the freedom to speak openly yeah. as long as it doesn't, you know, discriminate or do things like that. But if it's speaking openly about your opinion and it's taken as a joke in the sense of comedy or if it's a, a social issue, it shouldn't have to go through all of these like censorship tactics and stuff like that. And then the other thing, and I kind of want to move on and sort of talk deeper into this part, but sort of uh, cancel culture in the media industry has become, I think, too far out of control because I understand the whole like premise of cancel culture and why we do it. It's to hold influencers and artists accountable for what actions and the things that they say. Um, but at the end of the day, cancel culture does so much more than I think it was intended to do. Because if we want to take, um, let's just say, take R. Kelly, for example. Okay, one disclaimer. Of the biggest, Don't want us, want us to say the disclaimer? Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, <laughs> I do not support anything that you know of R. Kelly did. And I don't think anyone does, yeah. quite frankly. Um, but I think the whole issue with cancel culture in R. Kelly's sense is that it kind of, it kind of affected everyone long term because if you really want to like think about it, how many people like I we were talking about this earlier, how many people do you think played R. Kelly's music after he quote unquote got canceled? A good number. I'm I'm assuming that the numbers are more than people think. Yeah. But if you were to, or if we were to, for example, throw a party right now in this sort of space that we're in, we could potentially 
get canceled for playing R. Kelly's music because of this sort of stigma that you can't play his music you can't, or else you're supporting what he did. And I get that. Like, yeah. if you're if you're playing his music regularly and doing stuff like that, that is bringing him money and bringing him sort of um, sort of credibility, even though he did stuff that was bad. Yeah. But at the same time, it's for R. Kelly. It's kind of a way that we all grew up. So like our kind of generation, we grew up on his music, not knowing what he did. At the time, so we kind of grew up, you know, listening to Step in the Name of Love, Ignition, stuff like that. Trapped in the Closet was one of my favorite music videos as a kid. And then had to immediately stop listening. Yeah. Because of society's kind of idea of, like, he did something bad, so we can't do anything that remotely has R. Kelly in it. Yeah. So what is your take on that? Because, I mean, I understand, and I get it, and I... No, I kind of abide by like what it does, but I think there's more than one way to handle that kind of issue. I feel like it's it's kind of separated. Uh, you're you're definitely right that cancel culture went way out of proportion, mm-hmm. but I feel like cancel culture cancel culture has two sides of it. Mm-hmm. Um, cancel culture has a side that is for I want to say like physical. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like R. Kelly situation, physical. Yes, I do not condone anything mm. physical that's just an automatic no for me mm. but the other side is what people say yes that's the completely they're two different things mm. and then a lot of comedians are on the what they say side. the only one that's physical is we can say bill cosby mm-hmm. he's the only one that's physical mm-hmm. um but i feel like what they say it's really up to debate to like what they actually said mm-hmm. but physical out of the picture, yeah. gone. Uh, like, I'll give you an example, because you were saying, like, playing at a party. Mm-hmm. Um, the first party I came, I went to while I was here for uh, our junior year, mm-hmm. people were playing the baby. Mm-hmm. And we all know what he said at Rolling Loud, mm-hmm. some comments against the LGBTQ plus community, mm-hmm. but people were still playing him. Yeah. So, like, I don't like the baby, I don't like what he said, mm-hmm. but other people, didn't take what he said as like offensive. That's yeah. why they're still playing it. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm saying it's it's up to the bait of what they said mm-hmm. and like the context. Yeah. So that's how I feel about that. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think at the end of the day, it does there's a fine line between sort of cancel culture issues on what side you stand on either way. Um, but I think cancel culture not only affects the artist that was involved but it also affects not all, uh, everybody else who's indirectly involved so for example if we talk about r kelly for example or bill cosby or any one of these the baby or anything like that and we have a similar viewpoint for example not saying that we do but say we have a similar outlook on society we are in jeopardy of being canceled as well for you know just supporting somebody and at the end of the day, I think we need to um, do a better job of handling opposition. So, like, people are naturally not going to agree with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, people are not going to always see eye to eye on everything. But there needs to be a better there needs to be a better idea of people saying 
I don't agree with you, but we're going to agree to disagree. I still respect you as a person. I still respect um, that you feel the way that you feel. And I would assume that you would do the same for me. It's all about healthy communication at the exactly. end of the day. Like we have to be able to conversate and like discuss and debate these topics mm -hmm. or things are just going to get out of control like they do now. Exactly. And I feel like a, a main contributor to that as well, just like the insanity that's going on is social media. Mm -hmm. People just being able to put out their opinions so easily and people can read that and reply to that. Like the shade room is just one of the biggest examples. Like mm -hmm. If you just look at something and read the comments, it's just pure mayhem. Yeah. And um, one thing I also don't like is how there are some people that switch very quickly. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you an example. Uh, so you know the woman, uh, what's your name? Felicia Rashad. I've heard of her. She I... was on the Bill Cosby show. Uh -huh. She was like the wife. She played Bill Cosby's wife. Okay. And um, during the pandemic, she was named uh, a position at Howard University. Mm -hmm. And on social media, I saw everyone celebrating her. Mm -hmm. Like, congratulations, you're, you did an amazing job, you have this position, mm -hmm. great. Then Bill Cosby got out of the gym. Mm -hmm. she, I believe she posted something that was written in support of him getting released. Okay. You should have seen how quickly these women, everybody flipped on this one. Yeah. Now. And I'm just like, you need to understand that while, yes, he did do wrong things, mm -hmm. this woman has a long relationship with this guy. Yeah. A long relationship, mm -hmm. like years, decades. And um, I just don't like how people easily switch between liking and not liking. It's mm -hmm. like they can't even make up their own mind. They just exactly. see something on social media and then they just absolutely flip. Mm -hmm. And we kind of addressed this in the podcast that we did about social media. It's like, we're almost kind of robots in a sense. Like we blindly just respond to things that we see in society. So for example, if, if you like scroll on basic popular YouTube videos and stuff like that, there will be YouTubers that will get so much hate comments that have mm -hmm. nothing directed towards them. Like, it'll just be insane amount of hate on a video that spreads positivity and stuff like that. But the reason for these kind of people being, like, that way is because they're behind their screens. They kind of feel like they have so much power behind that. And in a sense, we as, I don't want to say us as influencers, but we kind of give them power and we kind of only focus on their hate comments and we are only concerned about their hate comments. When at the end of the day, a hate comment or anything like that isn't going to change who you are as a person. Uh, at the end of the day, if you... Wait, it won't change the influencer who he, is as a, who he or she is a person? Yes. Okay. I don't believe that it changes the quality of who that person is. So if you're a person on sort of any kind of platform that spreads positivity, does things for other people and is doing it for a good reason, then you get a hate comment. There's no reason for you to believe that hate comment or even address that hate comment because at the end of the day, I feel like a lot of people spreading those hate comments are very insecure and they're not sort of 
confident in their own skin, so they have to spread that hate to other people to give themselves that confidence that they need. It could be jealousy as well. People like wanting to be in their position, but mm-hmm. just never really made it. Mm-hmm. And so that's their only outlet to let out their steam. Mm-hmm. It's sad. It's, it is. And I think that's where kind of cancel culture exploded is from these people who are sitting at home and just commenting on, you know, issues that they see in the world without any sort of real like knowledge or facts or anything like that. Because, I mean, if if there was a report today on somebody in Hampton doing something bad, like one of the leaders of Hampton University doing bad, I, I could argue that it would take less than 24 hours for that person to be instantly canceled. No, yeah, you're, you're very Because there, once one person spreads that kind of, you know, hate towards that person, or says something or exposes something, it's immediately blown up. Your fault. You could see it. You repost it. Your however many followers sees it, and then one of them reposts it, and it's gone. Social media is like lighter fluid. Exactly. That's what it is. It's lighter fluid on a bonfire, and then it just explodes. And I think the issue with like social media being you know lighter fluid and everything is that we give people so much influence in society so like for example we give all of these like tiktok stars a lot of power by watching their videos supporting their content but then when they mess up we want to get mad at them when we put them in that position so like not only are we going to support you and give you all the money that you need but you have to you know be diligent and be cautious around us because we're ready to tear you down as soon as you make a mistake and I think that's not fair to influencers that's not fair to other people because at the end of the day we're all going to mess up we're all going to do something that's you know we're human like we're all going to say things that we don't necessarily mean for malintent or anything like that but if if we have to live in fear of, you know, that day where we all get canceled, like, that's, that's honestly, that would honestly deter a lot of people who have, you know, good intentions to sort of get away from the media industry. And that's why you see a lot of, like, um, people on social media and stuff like that, like, athletes and stuff that are dealing with sort of mental health issues and the pressure of, like, society and being that perfect person with society because they feel like they can't mess up or else they'll get uh, different kind of repercussions in the form of media yeah. and I think that's something that needs to be changed ultimately do you engage in social media a lot I try not to yeah um, when it comes to like me posting or anything I try to not even really look at sort of any kind of comment yeah. or anything like that or even like the number of likes or anything like if I post on Instagram 90% of the time now I'll just like go oh, away from my phone because I don't want to see who like the like 50 alerts of like who's like my picture and stuff like you know that you can do you can turn off the like count that's what I do now for pictures because mm-hmm. like I really don't care it's more about I like this picture exactly. I'm going to share it it's, it's more about like you're doing this because you like to do it and you don't really care that, you know, somebody else has an opinion on it because at the end of the day, their opinion doesn't 
hold enough value to make you change. It, it should, yeah. But for some people, I feel like it does make mm-hmm. you change. Mm-hmm. Like we in college, I feel like we're in like a um, like a very unique social bubble mm-hmm. where you, if you don't meet the standards, then you can be put aside or like seen as an outcast. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you agree, but that's how. Yeah, I, feel. I, I definitely do because there's definitely in college there's people from all over the country and all over the world so you have a lot of different you know social people so like there's people who were popular in their high school setting in their local setting but then come to college and it's not the same that it was in their local setting so it's it's definitely an adjustment for a lot of people and i think it can create some issues because this person who was popular if they're no longer popular they're going to try to do what they need to do to get back to that status of popularity and you know high status of whatever social media has to offer them and that in turn creates issues and tensions between them and other people and that's why you see um, people beefing on even the college scale or even further on that into um, social media and influencers beefing over really nothing so it's, it's really a lot of conformity that's mm-hmm. what i feel like yeah like for me i always live by um apple's motto mm-hmm. think differently yeah like just be yourself mm-hmm. be unique in your own way and yeah. that's what i try to do every day like what who's the other comedian you see on campus mm-hmm. no one no. Yeah, yeah i'm the only one mm-hmm. and i mean i i like being the only one because like no one else is doing it. So it gives yeah. me a chance to share what I think mm-hmm. with the people. Mm-hmm. But I feel like uh, there's another part of college where it's like, think accordingly. Right? Yeah. Think the way everyone else does. Mm-hmm. And that's the part I really don't like. I try not to feed too much into that. And I know at Hampton, it's very easy to get like consumed in that way of thinking. Mm-hmm. So that's why I try to like just be doing my own thing. Like most of the time, I'm like to myself mm-hmm. and everything else. I really, I'm not that social. I don't care. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just try to just be my, my true genuine self. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we've talked about sort of Hampton on sort of the Hampton scale, but kind of moving back into sort of cancel culture and society being soft. Um, I think that a lot of people kind of conform to sort of this this aspect of society of like the need to be this perfect angel and this perfect person on all of these different platforms. And a lot of people want to uh, become sort of internet famous and you know famous on YouTube and TikTok and all these other platforms because they have been told that that's the easiest way to like grow and become, you know, influential society, but a lot of people can't handle it. Yeah. Like a lot of people can't handle the like hate comments or the censorship that they have to do because at the end of the day, a lot of them have to be different than what they, what they originally are. So like, for example, there's things that you or I can't really say in a video or some sort of show that you like, for example, that you do, but you may feel a certain different type of way in real life, but you have to censor your show because of this conforming to society. And I think that's what causes a lot of like athletes and stuff like that to have these mental health issues because they have to 
sort of be this perfect person and they can't handle that pressure all the time. That's why I respect uh, Naomi Osaka so much mm-hmm. because uh, seeing her explain herself and what she's going through really like opened my perspective on like what athletes go through because mm-hmm. you never hear about like how they're really feeling. You just no. see their performance on the court. Not only that, but you see them, you know, in commercials, acting and stuff like that. Yeah, they think, you think everything's fine, like they're making money. No, like it's a lot of pressure and you might break down. And that's what she did, but she used it as a tool to spread awareness. Mm -hmm. So I respect that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. of course. And you've got like, even, even like the track star, I forget her name. Um, Yeah, I can never say her name right, but um, even her, like she kind of you know everyone knows what she went through as far as you know the olympics and stuff like that but i think that there was an aspect of cancel culture in that sense because there were athletes trying to say like hey you need to you know just stop trying to fight it and work on your grind like stop you know indulging in other things because at the end of the day you're an athlete like all these athletes were trying to kind of hold her accountable and then they were in turn getting canceled because they were trying to hold her accountable and everyone else was just trying to support yeah. her people like, didn't get it like yeah, people i saw get the reason yeah i saw it on the shade room the other day mm-hmm. um it was like a quote that usain bolt said like mm-hmm. stop, stop talking and, and practice and yeah, work yeah like people yeah. don't understand like that's what you're what you have to do to be an athlete you mm-hmm. can't really get sucked into like publicity in the media mm-hmm. you need to like first like focus on what you mm-hmm. want to do and that's to run mm-hmm. so and i think she wasn't necessarily prepared for that aspect of media and that aspect of publicity for when she does something wrong because she's like she didn't like, do i don't think she did anything wrong not though. wrong i don't i should have said wrong but like for example as an athlete if you're not an athlete but like an athlete on a popular scale media influence on a popular scale you can't do everything that you know the average person does because it's brought to the public eye and it reaches and offends different people like if i were to do something bad right now nobody would really care but if sort of lebron james is the same thing lebron james is never playing basketball ever again true so that's that's the way kind of people don't understand about media and how like cancel culture really works. Like people can do the exact same thing, but in cancel culture, it can ruin somebody else's life. Like from like the media aspect. So like if LeBron James were to come out and like there was a rumor that like LeBron James, like I won't say LeBron James, let's take Tiger Woods for example. Okay. Tiger Woods, um, had all these women and Tiger Woods was canceled from the golf world for however long it was. Um, Tiger Woods was net, no matter what happens in Tiger's life now, though that decision that he made will automatically be brought up. So if, if there's a documentary that comes out today about Tiger Woods' life, I guarantee you that his cheating scandal is gonna get more airtime than his actual achievements. And I promise you there was one over quarantine that was released on HBO. And I watched it yeah. and it was 
I didn't even um, watch it. It's really good. Yeah. But most of it were about the scandals. It's about the scandals. So it, it's kind of, it's like you can get over your sort of bad publicity as a media influencer, but it's never going to leave you no yeah. matter what because at the end of the day, Tiger Woods is going to be the greatest golfer to ever walk the planet. But nobody's going to care because he, he made a bad decision when he was, you know, young and naive into the, he was making a lot of money at the time. And, you know, when you get that kind of money, you make dumb decisions and you regret it long term. But the man's, you know, nearing the age of 50, he's not, he's not the same guy that he was when he was, you know, out there sleeping with all these different women, but nobody can ever look at Tiger Woods like that. Yeah. And I think that's, it's, it's tough because, yeah, you have to hold people accountable. We talk about accountability so much on this sort of platform, but how can you hold somebody accountable without discrediting them at the end of the day? So, like, there needs to be that line, I think, that you can hold somebody accountable without discrediting everything they've, they've done. Ever done. That's, what, that's how I feel about Bill Cosby mm-hmm. because, you know, since I'm a comedian, mm-hmm. like, Bill Cosby has played a very influential like, part of my life. Mm-hmm. Like, um, listening to, like, his comedy albums, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, yes, what Bill Cosby did was absolutely wrong. Mm-hmm. But I can't ignore what he's done in the world exactly. of comedy. I can't ignore those years mm-hmm. of dedication and hard work. Mm-hmm. And um, I know some people might disagree, but yeah. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I think there's there's a difference between sort of like canceling, for example, Bill Cosby for what he did and saying, oh, you're a horrible person forever, you know, supporting him in like today's age. But if you want to take Bill Cosby, for example, you can't ignore sort of anything that he's done for the comedy community and sort of bringing comedy to life for not only in the black, black community. People. Yeah, yeah in the black say, community. I was going to say not only just like black comedians and black people, but like if you want to, you know, cancel him and, you know, take away all of his support, you have to cancel a bunch of different, you know, sort of aspects of black culture and black um, black comedians because a his lot of things those, goes deep into a lot everyone. of those influences came from his sort of impact. And I think if we ignore that, then we ignore a, a, a big aspect of culture and the thing that he's ultimately done for uh, everything that he's ultimately done for society. So, yes, he made a mistake. Yes, it's wrong. Yes, we don't agree with it. But that doesn't mean we should ignore what he's done in the past. Professional. Professional. Yeah. On a professional scale. Um, because, and I think that's the, the line I think that needs to be drawn with cancel culture is taking people's, um, decisions and their actions out of their Their professional professional work, work, because people who do great professional work and have shaped or impacted a lot of the, their sort of fields, that aspect shouldn't be taken away from people because of a decision that they made, um, especially if they kind of come out and say like they're apologetic and they feel like genuine remorse from it. And I know Mm -hmm. there's fake apologies out there in the world. And obviously we have to be mindful and diligent about what we, um, the news that we see and the, what's real and what's fake. 
but there needs to be sort of less sort of attacking people for observing history at the end of the day. Yeah. So like if you were to come out today, for example, with a show or something along the lines of like Bill Cosby, you would potentially get canceled for even saying his name. Yes. When you're just um, sort of taking his professional work and modeling it because at the end of the day, his professional work did a lot for society. It did a lot for it's a very company industry. And it's a good thing. Like his professional work on, if you take his, Bill Cosby out of the professional work and just look at the professional work, it would be a model for comedians and black culture everywhere. Yes. But we want to add the person into it and that ultimately changes it destroys the entire being yeah, yeah. who that person is. And I think that's what we shouldn't do at the end of the We day. should separate them. Separate. Gotcha. Yeah. Yes. I, Church I, and state. Church and state. Exactly. I hundred percent agree. Um and yeah, I, I kinda wanna talk a little bit more about I know we're kind of nearing sort of the end of the podcast and the time that we have set out, but I kind of want to talk about how we can sort of move on and grow better as far as not sort of, or how do I want to say this? I want to talk about how we can, you know, separate church and state because... How we can do that? Yeah, because in theory, it's a great idea to, you know, talk about how we can, you know, and cancel culture and support, you know, personal growth and development in whatever field it is, but it's harder to go against the sort of current norm of society. Yeah. So like anybody who challenges society is automatically behind the eight ball. So how do we kind of move forward? I guess you could say. I don't, I think it's this mm -hmm. like communication, mm -hmm. learning how to have a, um, a truthful and deep communication with each other mm -hmm. in order to resolve these issues and um, not attack people. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, what cancel culture is, what it turned into was attacking mm -hmm. without giving people um, an opportunity to explain themselves. Mm -hmm. And most of, some of the times, like, it's blown out of proportion. The cancel culture attack is blown way out of proportion. Mm -hmm. um, so I think more dialogue is definitely necessary. Mm -hmm. And, um, I believe that we shouldn't like attack so quickly, mm -hmm. you know, because like with social media, as soon as something gets out, we're so quick to like pounce mm -hmm. on something mm -hmm. when we should really have time to think, research and figure out what actually happened mm -hmm. instead of just mm -hmm. like mob mentality, just dump, like diving right into it yeah. and not following other people just because they said something as well. Mm -hmm. Like have your own genuine thought as a person. Yeah. Mm, and I think you bring up a good point and stop reacting so quickly because I think, like I said earlier, we're turning more into robots as opposed to individuals. Yeah. Like we're sort of grouping ourselves into this sort of mentality of like, oh, if somebody else reposts it, I'm going to repost it too. And at the end of the day, I don't necessarily have my own opinion about it. I just heard their opinion and I want to support that opinion because it sounds good and it's going to get me the most sort of recognition and popularity when I post that sort of mentality on my page. So I think getting out of that and 
um, as far as like influencers, so like, I don't want to say like you and me, for example, but we are technically influencers yes. at the end of the day. Um, but I think on people who are, who, people who have platforms and who are doing things like that, um, I think just sort of getting out of that sort of mentality of fear of getting canceled. Because at the end of the day, if you're voicing your opinion and you're doing it in a way that's not meant to hurt people and you make that clear, mm -hmm. um, you should have no fear as far as, you know, getting canceled or getting hurt in the end because, or losing everything in the end because we have chosen to be on these platforms and we've chosen to speak our issues and speak our truths, uh, our opinions. So I think we should um, commit to doing whatever we need to do to voice our opinions at the end of the day as long as it doesn't, you know, hurt other people. And at the end of the day, we need to stop giving so much weight to people who have no real impact on us. So for example, if somebody has a hate comment, they have no impact on us at the end of the day. Yes. Because they can't make you or me or anyone else just stop completely doing what we're doing. We did this for a reason. We did this for ourselves at the end of the day. So we're not obligated to, you know, conform to society because all you about, think society needs to. Yeah. It's all like, about blocking the hate. Exactly. Um, and that's hard. It's not easy to, you know, hear somebody say something bad about you and react in a positive way. But that's why entertainment, it's not for the weak. Exactly. It's not for the weak. It's not. If you can't handle it, it's not for you. It's really not. And a lot of people think that it's not going to happen to them until it... It happens. Until it does. Because a lot of people think like, oh, I'm a good person, so I'm never going to get any hate. But even like, even like Charlie Emilio has been canceled already and she's 17 or whatever like and she has her own <laughs> show now yeah, so like, it doesn't like, really matter if you get canceled you're gonna get canceled one way or another in the media industry um whether it's on a small scale or if it's large scale like, yeah sort of these big influencers tiger woods bill cosby and r kelly um but you just have to be prepared to sort of kind of go against society at the end of the day and stand up for what you believe in because if other people are going to stand up against you for what they believe in you have to be strong in your beliefs because if you're not strong in your beliefs then people are going to tear you apart exactly. it's going to be so easy to tear tear you apart if you're being fake if you're doing yeah. other things that you don't necessarily believe in because you're going to be fumbling over your words you're going to be you know saying the wrong things that don't make any sense because you're, you know, not confident. Weak-minded. Yeah, you're not confident in your beliefs and your mentality and your strategy. So that's pretty much all I have for today. We, that, was, that was good. That's a good talk. It was. A good discussion about cancel culture and the softness of society today. Um, and when I say softness of society, I probably have to make a disclaimer on that too because... That doesn't mean like, you know, the world's going to turn into, you know, this like weak-minded society. Yes. Yeah. No, we're so not saying horrible. that. 
Like, because I, I feel like a lot of people will give too much weight to certain words. So, like, for example, if I say soft, everybody instantly thinks that I'm calling everybody weak and, you know, I'm strong and big and stuff like that. That's not what I'm saying. Like, what I'm saying is we aren't, or we're giving too much power to things that don't need power. Exactly. Yeah. So, that's all I have for today, unless you have anything else that you want to say. We're going to, going to definitely link your podcast. Thank you. Not only with me, but your podcast in general. Um, Pretty sure. Make sure you guys go look at that. Um, we did a discussion. It's supposed to be up Wednesday, right? Let me, let me talk about it. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So uh, yesterday, me and Claude had a discussion on my podcast, um, Comedy Conversations. Uh, it's going to be out Wednesday. Yes, Wednesday. Next Wednesday. That's the 20... 29th. 29th. Uh, it's going to be on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, all that. Just look up Comedy and Conversations or just look up Ross Watkins and I'm sure you'll find it. And the link will be in the description. So yes. if you don't want to do that, just click the link and it will be right there. Um, but other than that, that's all I have for today. Is there anything else you have for the people? Uh, maybe just follow me on Instagram at Ross Andrew Watkins. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to do a better job at that. No. So yeah. Follow me on social media and then subscribe to the YouTube, whatever. Mm -hmm. okay. And I'll we like will definitely have your Instagram also linked down below so it's easy for everybody to find. Thank you. Um, but other than that, uh, something that we always do on the podcast at the end is say, there's nothing else to say and nothing else to do. And then we say that stuff together. All right. So I'm ready. I don't want to fuck this up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, so there's nothing else to say, nothing else to do. That That's stuff. Tough. Very nice. So we want to just take this time to say thank you to Ross for being on the podcast. Uh, make sure you guys check out all of his information. It will be linked in the description. So make sure you check out the podcast that I did with Ross as well as all of his other content. Um, but make sure that you're also liking and commenting on this video. Uh, we are getting back to all the comments that we see. So if you have any opinions, any thoughts on anything that me and Ross talked about today, make sure you drop a comment and you drop a like. Other than that, make sure you're subscribed to the channel and you have your notifications on. That way you see any videos that we post. Uh, we also are now on other streaming platforms. So we are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So make sure that you check out all of the videos that are up to date. Um, so that's all I have for you guys today. And uh, that's tough.